reflecting on tonight's scripture, I, scripture readings, I observed that the readings might suggest that most insidious of modern-day heresies, the prosperity gospel. First, in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he suggests that since, quote, God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. So let me paraphrase that. God's going to pro provide us with more than enough so we can give some to the poor and the needy. Now, it sounds like a pretty simple and somewhat effortless proposition. We're going to have plenty, so we can pretty much painlessly share a portion with those in need. At least that's a pretty minimalist and skimpy reading of Paul's words, I acknowledge. But you see how it could suggest a prosperity gospel mindset. And then the psalm continues with this allusion, that is, if one's looking for it, in the third stanza. Wealth and riches will be in their house, and their righteousness will last forever. Now, it's easy to make the connection that their eternal righteousness is the reason for their wealth and riches. Not too far a leap, and we've certainly seen that leap made in our much broader culture. Fortunately and predictably, Jesus interrupts this prosperity gospel litany with his own specific statements around giving. Give quietly, anonymously. Do not even let your left hand know what your right hand is giving. It is through this that you'll find your reward in heaven. Jesus upends the prosperity narrative that held sway then and still does in some places. The idea that great riches will accrue to those who deserve it. And they deserve it through their own giving and their own righteousness. This gave Job's friends the rationale to assert that he had somehow sinned in order to deserve the terrible fate that awaited him. And how often do we hear that applied to people today who undergo some kind of misfortune? Now, I call this a kind of transactional salvation model, and it's pretty easy to lapse into because it helps explain why good things happen to good people and especially why bad things happen to bad people. It seems to assert a kind of rational logic to the ordering of the universe. You see, we want it to be the case. But the problems come when we see bad people accruing unimaginable wealth and power, like the Palm Beach home and Bahamian Island of Jeffrey Epstein. Now, wait a minute, where's the justice in that? Or even harder is when bad things happen to good people, like a cancer diagnosis to a church elder, or an untimely death in the family of believers, an unexpected bankruptcy and a pandemic. You see, if our belief is built on this transactional nature of salvation, that we give and get what we deserve from God, it's kind of a works righteousness that's built around our own pocketbook and our own free time, then I don't think it's going to be strong enough to help us when the world doesn't make sense, when the unrighteous gain or when the righteous decline. You see, in many ways, this dependence on a transactional God helps explain many of the societal ills that plague us today. This thinking that God isn't big enough to let you get all you deserve and still let me have, let me have mine. It's a zero-sum game. And you see, your piece of the pie takes directly from my own. Think about how that applies to current discussions around Black Lives Matter, immigration, wealth inequality. 
In the Gospels, Jesus' repeated aim was for us to put on a kingdom of God lens for viewing the world. See, we don't hold ourselves back with appearances, appearances of who's actually in charge, of who's gaining, of who's losing. But we always look for and work toward the kingdom. It's always appearing around us, always. We just need to train our eyes to see it and not be distracted by the prevailing illusions of power and wealth and gain. Now, it's a well-known fact that in America, the poorest give a a far higher percentage of their income to charity, and especially charities designed to help the poor. The 2015 study revealed that while there are about the same number of people in urban, highly educated, and liberal San Francisco County in California as there are in rural, religious, and conservative South Dakota, Families in these two regions give exactly the same amount to charity every year. Yet because the average family income is about 45000 in South Dakota, compared to 81000 in San Francisco, the typical South Dakota household is actually giving away 75% more of its income every year than its San Francisco counterpart. This is called sacrificial giving. And it predominates in heavily religious states in the West and South, including here in Arkansas. And I'm proud of that. By comparison, California and the Northeast are much stingier. And that, to me, is an in-breaking kingdom sign. That the people who give the most are, like Jesus calls out in the Gospel, the least likely to make attention to themselves. The least likely to worry about the sacrifice. The most hopeful that somehow ends will be met. The most likely, I think, to quietly give and then get their reward in heaven. And that gives me hope. And it makes me wonder, where is the kingdom of God breaking in around you right now? In what part of life? And how do we train our eyes to see it? Amen.